And uh, anybody glad to be here this morning, huh? It's been good so far. Praise the Lord. I just feel like the Lord has been speaking, speaking to us, and it's just been powerful. I'll tell you what. And um, Ted and Jeanette, I was, was that, that wasn't 51 years he misspoke. No, oh my goodness. I, when he said that, I looked at my wife and I said, they must have been married when they were babies. That doesn't make any sense to me. I didn't think you were much older than that, but um, praise the Lord. It's good, isn't it? That's what happens when you serve the Lord. You just look younger. Uh, you look younger. You feel younger. You live longer. Everything, it's just life, life's a little better, isn't it? A lot better. I looked at my wife when Pastor Kim said, you know, when, for the, what was it, women under 30, get a discount. I said, you get a discount. Isn't that good? You get a discount. And I defy them to ask to check your ID. Um, it, hey, if you want to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and I want to share this word with you, I feel like the Lord's given me something for you, and I, I want to share it well, and I want to, I was given them the scriptures this morning, and I thought, oh my goodness, I didn't realize I had this, this much. I'm going to try to, to do this well and, and not rush myself. If we need to do another week with it, we'll do that in a while. But um, let, me, let me start here. Can, can we just... Can we just stand up one more time? I know you've been standing, sitting, and stand, it feels like a Catholic church, but we just want to stand one more time. And let's just, let's just pray and invite the presence of God and, and just to continue to speak to our hearts this morning. Lord, we thank you for your presence in this place. Lord, we thank you that you're, you've been speaking to us. We thank you for your word to us today, Lord. I pray that we would not be just hearers, but doers of the word. Somebody say amen. amen. Stand up with me while we read this. In 2 Corinthians 4... Look at what it says in verse 7. Now we have this treasure. Say, we have this treasure with me. In clay jars, so that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. You can sit down. Hey, you have this treasure. You have, you have treasure in you. Did you know that? You're full of treasure. Look at somebody next to you say, you're full of it. You're full of treasure. I, I, we took our kids a while back to, on, a, on a field trip thing. We went to this place called Reed's Gold Mine down the road. Anybody been to Reed's Gold Mine? It was an interesting place. Yeah, three of you that, that teach school, you've been there. And it's, maybe you went as a, on a field trip as, when you were a kid or something. But it's, it was an interesting place, and they were telling us the story of Reed's gold mine. They, did you know that was actually the location of the first, what was it? I, got, I wrote it down because I don't want to forget. The first documented gold find in the United States. The first documented gold find. Now, probably other people found it and stuff, and they didn't say anything to anybody, right? Because that's what I would have done. But they, so that was the first documented case in the United States. And, I, and in fact, it started a gold rush here in North Carolina. You might, you might be familiar with some of that. There's some gold mines around here too, isn't there? There's even a road called Gold Hill Road, and I, I think that's got a reason for it. But this, in Reed's gold mine, there was a kid who found a 17-pound gold nugget. He was out fishing one day with a bow and arrow, and he was shooting an arrow. It just sounds like fun, doesn't it? He was shooting an arrow at a fish, and he missed, and it hit a rock. It reminds me of the, what was the old show where he's shooting at some food, and up from the ground come a bubbling croup. And um, he's shooting at the fish, and he misses, and he hits, he hits this rock. And he, he says, isn't that a pretty rock? He could, he could see it got scuffed up, and it's shiny and everything. He picked it up and took it home, and he said, Mom, Dad, look at this pretty rock I found. And they said, wow, son, that sure is a pretty rock. 
And it was, it was a 17-pound gold nugget. It was priceless. It was, it was the most valuable thing any of them had ever seen, but they didn't know what they were looking at. They said, that's a pretty rock. And you know what they did for the next three years? They used it as a doorstop used the most valuable thing worth more than all of his property put together, worth more than everything in his house, worth more than his house. And they used it as a doorstop until one day they were hurting for some money and he took it into town to see if it was anything they could sell, make a little extra money. So he took it into town and he, and he took it into his shop and said, Hey, there's a guy who just would buy random things. And he took it in there and said, Hey, is this thing valuable? And the man looked at it, and he knew exactly what he was looking at, but he wasn't very honest. And he said, he said, well, I don't know. I'll, I'll buy it from you. You can, you can name your price, and I'll buy it. And the man thought he, had, he really was onto something here. He said, give me $3.50. And even back then, it was worth thousands and thousands. Today, it's probably upwards of millions. But back then, it was worth thousands. That was a lot of money. And he said, give me $3.50. He thought he struck it rich. But he had something valuable, and he didn't know what he had. He sold it for $3.50. He had the most valuable thing he'd ever seen in his life, and he sold it because he didn't know, he didn't understand the value. Listen, you have treasure in you. You've got treasure in you. You've got something valuable in you. Are you with me this morning? And he says in 2 Corinthians 4 that we have this treasure but it's in a clay jar. It's in something that doesn't look real pretty. It doesn't look real nice. It just looks like an old clay jar. You ever seen those jars that they put the faces on and they're ugly and they got the teeth sticking out and all this stuff? It looked like an ugly jar. It might, you might feel like that sometimes. And you say, I'm not, and people might look at you and say, you're just an ugly jar. You might, you might, you might have some cracks on you and people look at you and say, you're just a crack pot. But listen, it's not about the pot. It's about what's inside. You might look at this, this barrel over here. I, that was nice. They put that up there for, the, for me this morning. And you look at this barrel and you think, man, isn't that thing ugly? I don't even know where we found an ugly yellow barrel. And, and it's just, it's ugly. And you look at it and you think, who would want that ugly yellow barrel sitting on a stage on a Sunday morning in a church? But it's not about the way the barrel looks. It's about what's inside the barrel that makes it valuable. There's something inside you. There's something inside you that makes you valuable. It's not about how you look. It's not about people. People might call you all kinds of names. It's not about what you look like on the outside. It's about who's on the inside. We have this treasure in jars of clay so that this extraordinary power might be from God and not from us. Look, it's not about you. It's about him living through you. Come on. I feel like I'm preaching to myself. Look at, over at 1 John. I want you to see this this morning. 1 John chapter 2. And I've got just a few things I want to say this morning. But you've got treasure in you. And let me just go here for a second. And I want to talk about this thing called the anointing. And he says this in verse 20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. You have an anointing. Listen, if the Spirit of God lives inside you, you have an anointing. If the Holy Spirit lives in you, if the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside you, you have an anointing. 
See, the problem is a lot of us look at ourselves and we just see an old crackpot. We just see an old, an old ugly pot. We see somebody who's been smoking pot. No, that's a different kind of pot. We see, we see some kind of, we see something kind of ugly, something kind of the world looks at and says is worthless. See, that's why Pastor Kim's been preaching on identity. Because see, you have to understand who you are in Christ, who God's made you to be. Because if you, if you still look at yourself as just some ugly, worthless, no good thing, then you can't, you can't step into the anointing that God has for you. If you're still looking at yourself as, I'm just worthless. I'm just, you, you know what it is, the, there's a religious spirit that wants to keep you down. Religion wants to keep you down. Jesus came to raise you up. If you're always looking at yourself, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough to go to that church. I'm not good enough for that. I'm not good enough for that. Then you don't understand what God's done for you. You don't understand the cross because when Jesus came, the word of God says he took on sin. Him who knew no sin became sin so that we might become righteousness. So you got to understand what God's done for you. That's why he's been talking about who you are in Christ. You're not just some ugly pot. You've been made a child of God. But until you understand that, you can't understand your anointing. You can't walk in your anointing. And you're, did you know you're supposed to have an anointing if you have the Holy Spirit? And here's what Jesus said, and I have the scripture here, John 14, 12. I assure you, the one who believes in me will do the works that I do. And then he goes a step further. Look, what does he say? And he will do even greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. You know, most churches, they would, they would just kind of skip over that verse because that doesn't sound right. You can't, do, you can't do the same works that Jesus did, but that's what he said. Amen. He said, you're supposed to. How am I supposed to do? I can't do the works that Jesus did because I'm just an ugly pot. No, it's not about the pot. It's about what's in the pot. When the Holy Spirit's in you, he's got to come out of you and he's got to do something. That's why you have the Holy Spirit in you so he can do something. Amen. 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 See, you have an anointing. I want, I want to talk about this for a little bit and explain this to you. The word anointing, what does this mean? In the Old Testament, they would, they would take a priest and they would take a bottle of oil, a big bottle of oil, and they would, when the priest was anointed, like when Aaron was anointed in the Old Testament, they would take that oil and just pour it on his head. And it would just be dripping down his head. It would be dripping off his beard. It would be all over his clothes. It'd be all over his feet. It's all over him. Everywhere he walked, then after that, he's dripping with oil. See, when you're anointed, you've been covered with something. In the, in the Bible, the, the oil represents the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God is all over you when you're filled with the Spirit. And it's supposed to be like this anointing like Aaron had where he was, when he would walk around after that, there was just oil puddles everywhere. Everywhere he'd go, people would be like, they could smell it. They could see it. They touched him. They get it on them. It's covered with the anointing. That's how you're supposed to be. Walking with the anointing. Here's, here's let me go a step further. Jesus... We call, we call him Jesus Christ. Christ is the Greek word for Messiah. So Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the Christ. That's not his last name. They didn't have phone books back then. They didn't care about last names. They didn't need to look anybody up. We don't have phone books anymore, I guess, do we? I don't know. Every now and then I see one floating around and I wonder what I'm supposed to do with that. It's gotten smaller and smaller. But you know, people don't even have phones anymore, that regular phones that you could look up a phone number. Anyway. 
So they didn't care about last names. It wasn't his last name. It, it was his title, Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the Christ. And here's what it meant. The Jesus, the anointed one. The anointed, it refers to the anointed one and his anointing. So Jesus, the anointed one. And then when they started to, when Jesus left, he went to heaven and people started to, to gather around and become Christians. They started to call them Christians. And you know what Christian means? It means little anointed ones. Why did they call them that? Because they were going around acting like Jesus. They were going around doing the things that Jesus did. They were, they were preaching the good news. They were laying hands on the sick. They were seeing miracles, signs, and wonders. They were anointed. They were a bunch of little anointed ones. That's who you're supposed to be. You have an anointing this morning. It's time to walk in it. Amen. Um, Jim White was here a couple weeks ago, and, and he, it was powerful, wasn't it? He spoke about um, the uh, getting fresh oil, I think is what he talked about, right? Getting fresh oil. Zacchaeus remembers he helped preach that message. And he was, it, and it was good, and I know if Jim had had time, he would have gone, he probably would have gone here and taken it a step further, but let me just say it for him. My car needs fresh oil when I drive it. After I drive it for a while, it needs an oil change, when, if I got a car sitting on blocks in my yard, oil change isn't going to help it. If you, listen, you don't need an anointing to go home and watch Netflix this afternoon. I, we, were in, we were in a restaurant the other night, and a woman, we, like a, at a table, uh, there was nobody in there except for us and somebody else, and she hollers over at us. She said, is it, is it raining out there? And we said, no, it's not raining. Yeah, it might rain later. Oh, good. I hope it rains because, honey, I'm going to go. This is what she said. Honey, I'm going to go home and watch me some Netflix tonight. And we're like, okay, great. You don't Listen, you don't need an anointing to go home and watch Netflix this afternoon. You need an anointing to, to be doing what Jesus did. You need anointing. You, need a, you know where you need it? You need it in your workplace. You need the anointing of God at work. You need it, young people in your schools. You need the anointing of God everywhere you go because you're supposed to be living like Jesus. You need, but you got to use it. See, Arthur Burt, Pastor Kim likes to talk about him. He was an older guy who would come here, and I remember one time he said this, and I just laughed and laughed because it was, it's just, it's just pure Arthur Burt, right? He said people used to come up to him and pray for, brother, I just need fresh, a fresh anointing. And you know what he would look, he would do? He would look at him and say, what'd you do with the last bit? What do you need a fresh anointing for when you didn't use the last one? Now I know what we're saying and that's just, it sounds unkind, but that was just Arthur Burt. He's, he could be unkind. I remember he smacked somebody in the head one time with a cane and ah, she was, I think she still has a lump from that. And, um, but I don't know, that was just, that was just him. But you need an anointing to use it so that you can do what Jesus did. And so I want to talk about this, what Jesus did with his anointing. And I know we've, we've preached about this before. I think even recently I mentioned it, but I want you to look at Luke chapter four, because the Lord's just been showing me a few more things about this. Luke chapter four. I want to talk about how to, how to function with the unction, how to function with the unction. In verse 18, Jesus He's just beginning his ministry. It says he comes to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. It was his hometown. And as usual, he went into the synagogue. 
It was the Sabbath day and everybody would get together on the Sabbath and they'd stand up and still today you can go into synagogues around the world and they'll stand up and just be reading the scriptures, reading the scriptures, reading over and over and over all day long. It says he took the scroll of Isaiah and he unrolled it and found the place where it was written. He began to read this. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. And then he talks about what his anointing is. See, this was written by Isaiah hundreds of years before prophetically about Jesus's anointing and how he was going to function in that anointing. And so Jesus says, he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. And in the King James, I think right here, it says, and to heal the brokenhearted. And it keeps going. He sent me to proclaim freedom to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll, he handed it back, and he said, today, as you listen, this scripture has been fulfilled. And I want to talk about this, this anointing, because and as I kept reading through Luke 4, I saw different parts of this anointing functioning in different ways, and I want to share a little bit about that. But here's what he says the anointing was for. The anointing was to preach, what? The good news. Okay, the gospel, the good news. He was anointed to preach. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the captives, to proclaim recovery of sight to the blind, and to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Every part of his anointing, as far as I can tell, comes out of his mouth. I just found that so interesting. Isn't that interesting? Every part of Jesus' anointing came out of somewhere. It came out of him. See, it can't come out of you if it doesn't come out of you. It had to come out of him, out of his mouth. So he was anointed to preach. He was anointed to proclaim freedom. He was anointed to, to proclaim liberty in the year of the Lord's favor. And so I want to talk about this because look what happens now. Keep going down with me in Luke chapter 4. In verse 22, after he did this, everybody was speaking well of him. They were amazed by his gracious words that came out of his mouth. Wow, isn't Jesus wonderful? Jesus, Jesus did that. He stood up and he said, hey, I'm anointed and this is fulfilled today. And I, I bet they were pretty amazed that, wow, it's fulfilled today. Wow, Jesus is amazing. But you know what happened? As soon as, as, soon as that came out of his mouth, opposition began to come. As soon as he declared, hey, I'm anointed, and here's what I've come to do, and he's come to, it says in another place, for the pur this purpose was the Son of God manifest to destroy the works of the evil one. Every bit of his anointing, it set people free, but it also was destroying something, because see, the Word of God says the anointing breaks the yoke. It doesn't just break it, it destroys it. It disintegrates it. If you ever had a car that's rusting, and I'm not talking about like just a little bit of rust, you got something rusting and you touch it and now your finger went through it. There's no putting that thing back together, is there? That's what I'm talking about. When Jesus says, or when the word of God says, the anointing breaks the yoke, it's, it's gone. The yoke is gone. The yoke of sin, the yoke of slavery, the yoke of depression, the yoke of fear, it's gone in the name of Jesus when you start functioning in the anointing. And when Jesus said this, it was an act of war on the enemy. And now the enemy's radar went up. Hey, wait a minute. We got to do something now because he's anointed. So look what happens right away. People start getting, wait a minute. What did Jesus say? They said, isn't he from here? Isn't he from this place? And, and so Jesus starts coming at him. And in verse 28, everyone in the synagogue got mad. 
and not just mad, it says enraged, they got up, drove him out of town, and brought him to the edge of the hill that their town was built on because they wanted to hurl him off the cliff. Listen, right away, Jesus says, hey, I'm here, I'm anointed, I'm going to set you free. All that he tells them about his anointing, what do they want to do? They want to kill him. They want to throw him off of a cliff. And this wasn't the first time people tried to kill him. It, wasn't, it was the first time. It, won't be, it wouldn't be the last time. On the cross wasn't the, the only other time. They tried to stone him. They wanted to kill him. Why? Because he was stirring up a hornet's nest of the devil. Are you with me? And so, but it says in verse 30, he passed right through the crowd and went on his way. So I want to talk about this a little bit this morning, and we'll come back here to Luke 4, but I want to share with you about what the anointing does, because listen, when you start walking in the anointing, the enemy is going to get upset. When you start walking in what God has designed and start living the way God has designed, you, now you become a threat to the, the, the enemy. And I want you to keep your finger here. I want you to look back at 1 John chapter 2 again, because it said here you had an anointing. And I want you to see what he says about the anointing. 1 John 2, and look at verse 15, because he says this, do not love the world. You know, there's something that will destroy your anointing. There's something that will keep you from walking in the anointing, and that's the love of the world. Start loving the world, the things of the world, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Look at what he says in verse 16. He describes everything that's in the world. There's three things he says that's in the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It's not from the Father, it's from the world. And the world with its lust is passing away, but the one who does God's will will remain forever. And then he goes into this in verse 18, and he says something about Antichrist. Even now, many Antichrists have come, and we know from this it's the last hour. What's he talking about? What's he getting at? He says, he says, don't love the world. And there's antichrist in the world, but then he says, you have an anointing. Here's what I want you to catch. He's talking about the world is going to try to get you away from your anointing, try to get you away from the things of God. He's talking about the antichrist, referring to the end times antichrist, but then also he says, many antichrists have gone into the world. What does he mean? Many antichrists. He's anti, you know what anti means, and you know what Christ means now, so what does it mean? Against the anointing. There's many spirits against the anointing that have tried to come and take that thing from you, tried to rob you, tried to steal from you, tried to kill you, tried to keep you from functioning in the unction that God's got for you. And so here's what he says, but you have an anointing. How do I combat that? How do I combat the anti anti? Christ, the uh, thing that's trying to, how do I combat the world? How do I combat the lust? You have an anointing. Amen. I heard somebody say this. You, you all probably know this because you're so, you guys, this is an intelligent group right here. You probably know this, but I, I heard this just this week and I thought, man, it's powerful. It's good. It's in Psalm 23 where it talks about the Lord's my shepherd. You know, the Lord's your shepherd. You know that, you know what I'm talking about? He says this, he says, you anoint my head with oil. Do you know what, you know why he says that there? Because shepherds used to anoint their sheep with oil. They would take oil and pour it on the sheep and rub it on them. And you know what would happen when they were anointed with the oil? The flies and, and bugs and things would try to get on them, and they can't, they can't get on them. If they get on them, they're stuck, and they're going to die. They would stay away from them once they have that anointing oil on them. 
And so here's the thing. You have an anointing. The enemy wants to get on you. The, the devil wants to get on you. The, the world's trying to pull you, but you got an anointing. You ever try to, I don't know if anybody's ever done this. You ever seen those greased pigs where they grease them up and then people got to try to catch them? It's almost impossible. Why? Because that pig is so slippery. I don't want to call you any pigs in here, but you got an anointing on you and the devil's trying to get after you. But when you start walking and functioning in the anointing that you have, the devil can't get his hands on you. But that's why the word of God says, walk in the spirit. Walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Why? Because you're dripping with the anointing and the devil tries to grab a hold and off you go. That's exactly what Jesus did. They tried to get him and throw him off a cliff, but he's in the anointing so much it wasn't his time. They try to get him. He just walks right past him like the greased pig. Then where'd he go? Where'd he go? Get him, get him. There he goes. There he goes again. Oh, he's over here. Go get him. They can't get him because he's got the anointing on him. Amen. Look back here, Luke chapter four. I want to keep going with this. So you got anointing on, you're, you're full of the anointing. You're full of treasure. You've got the treasure of the Holy Spirit in you. Amen, isn't this good? I think I had too much coffee this morning, excuse me. I feel, I feel more excited than you do. Um, oh yeah, I, I, want to, I want to do this. Okay, I said Luke four. Go to, go to 2 Corinthians four just for a second because I want you to see this again too. Remember what we said, the anointing was flowing out of Jesus' mouth. If you got that for me, 2 Corinthians 4, look at verse 6. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6. We're going to back up just a little bit. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus. Listen, God who said, what did God do? He said, he spoke, and what, what happened? He said, let there be light, and what happened? God spoke, something came out of his mouth, and God said, let there be light. Listen, what, what is there right now? There's nothing, there's nothing. The earth, it says, is without form and void, darkness on the face of the deep, and God says, let there be light. And listen, this is amazing. There was evening, and there was morning. You can look back if you don't believe me, Genesis 1. Evening and morning, the first day. And then God starts, he starts creating stuff. Evening and morning, the second day. Day three, God's creating more stuff. Evening and morning, the third day. Day four, God says, you know what? I think I'll make the sun today. He hadn't made the sun yet until day four. So God said, let there be light. There was no possible source for light except for himself. God said it, it came out of his mouth, and now what, he, what does he say? And we have this treasure. Do you catch this? It, this is all going together. God said, let there be light. He's shown, he's, he's let light shine in our hearts to give uh, the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus, and we have this treasure in jars of clay. Drop down to verse 13. And since we have the same spirit of faith, what same spirit of faith do you have? The same one that, that Jesus had. You have his anointing in you. Yeah. Are you with me? Yes. So in keeping with what's written, I believe and therefore I spoke, we believe and therefore speak. Now, some people have gotten upset at this and they say, you're trying to take this too far. That's not in, in, in context. Well, you read the context. That's what I just showed you. Yeah. I believe and therefore I spoke. You have an anointing on you. 
Jesus had an anointing on him and it came out of his mouth. It had to come out of his mouth by faith. Do you think it took faith for Jesus to say to somebody who's paralyzed, get up and walk? He had to say it. And now what, once it's out there, that guy's got to do something. Something's got to happen because Jesus said it. But he's got that, you've got that same spirit of faith. Now, sometimes it's hard to walk in it when you've not been walking in it. But I'm talking about your anointing today. And God's called you to walk in a higher level of anointing than you have been up to this point in your life. God's saying it's time for you to start functioning in the anointing that he has for your life. I, I can tell you some of the, the times that we've gone overseas and things and prayed for sick people and, and things. It's been, there's, a, there's a level of intimidation when you start praying for someone and say, I believe that Jesus is going to heal you not a month from now, right now. Amen. And it's a little bit, it can be a little bit intimidating to, to say that and to, and to pray for something to happen because there's, I'll tell you what, as soon as you do it, the enemy's like, is that really going to happen? I don't know if that's going to happen. Look, you're going to mess this guy up. You're, this is, this is, and you start getting all these thoughts that come in your head, but it takes faith to speak something. Yeah. So I, I remember, and I've shared, shared with you before, we were in Puerto Rico and there was this guy that came up on the stage, a big guy, big, big guy. And he came up and he, he came up with a cane and he said, pray for me. I've had such horrible back pain for, I think, seven years, something like that. He says, I haven't been able to bend over. Uh, I haven't been able to he hardly function without pain in seven years. He said, he said, the doctors have given him medicine that was enough to like sedate a horse, but he says, it doesn't even touch the pain. I stopped taking it. It just, it just doesn't do anything for me. So we prayed for him. And I said, I said, now I believe Jesus has touched you. I want you to bend over. And that, that, you know, part of me, after I said that, I was like, oh Lord, what did I just do? You know, I'll just be honest. Cause you're, you still got that part of you. That's like, it's kind of like, I don't know. And, and, but you're, you got to speak by faith and shut out the doubt, shut out that stuff. But part of you wants to doubt. Part of you wants to, oh, is it got to, no, no, you got to walk in faith. That's what it is. It doesn't mean the doubt's never going to come in your life. What you say is, no, I'm shutting that out and I'm believing the word of God. So I, I said, now I want you to bend over, sir. And he bent over and I said, now stand up. And you know what he did? Nothing. He sat there like this. I thought, oh, he's stuck. <laughs> what do I do? Lord, I was trying to walk in faith. I was trying to have faith. I got this guy stuck and how... And he's big. I thought, I don't even know if we can get him off the stage. What are we going to do? I'm, you know, all these thoughts are coming, but you're just walking by faith, speaking by faith. I said, get up. And he's still down there. And he, now there's tears coming out of his eyes, like big old tears. It's all wet around. I thought, oh my gosh, he's in pain. You know, but no, I'm, no, I'm not going to go into that doubt. I'm going to speak by faith. And he finally got up and he said, he said, he said, I don't have any more pain. Pain is gone. For the first time in seven years, God just completely, in a second, touched him. He was just laying, like, feeling that. He's like, oh, my gosh, there's no... And he starts dancing off the stage. He threw his cane and starts dancing away. That's, you know what, it took a level of, you know, I'm not trying to say I'm some great man of faith, but sometimes you just got to step out in faith, even when you don't feel like it, you know? I may not feel like I'm some kind of great man of God that is walking in mighty faith all the time. Uh, but, but you know what, you, even when you don't feel like it, you just do it because that's what you have. A king doesn't worry if he feels like a king. Oh, I don't feel like a king this morning. I don't know if I can give any commands. No, he just gets up and gives the commands. You got to do it because the king said it. So you just got to walk by faith despite how you feel. It's got to come out of your mouth. Are you with me? Okay. So where are we at? Luke 4. Luke 4. I want you to see now 
Jesus functioning in this anointing. So look at verse 31. And it says, he went down to Capernaum and was teaching them on the Sabbath. They were astonished at his teachings because his message had authority. What did Jesus just say he was anointed to do? To preach the good news. He was anointed to preach the good news. And so there he is. I want to show you throughout Luke 4, every time Jesus is functioning. But he's, they're astonished because his message has something in it. It's not just some teaching. It's got power. It's got authority in it. He's teaching the good news with authority. Listen, he could talk with authority about the kingdom of God because he knew where he was from. He knew where he was functioning out of. If you're ever, in, if you're ever overseas somewhere and you, you need help, if you can get to the United States embassy, you can get help because it's like you're, you're walking. When you step foot on that soil of the embassy, it's like you're setting foot in the United States because that's an extension of our nation. And when you're, when you're functioning in the kingdom of God, that's how Jesus was. He was functioning in the kingdom of God where he was on this earth as if he was an ambassador of heaven. The kingdom of God followed him everywhere he went. Your anointing should be influencing the world around you. You should be like Jesus, preaching the good news. It should be influencing the world around you. If it's not, you better, you better stop and check yourself because it needs to be flowing out of you. If the anointing is not coming out of you, then it's, you're just, you just got it to watch Netflix. You don't need that. You got, it's got to come out of you. You guys still with me? I, I heard a story one time. Um, Kenneth Hagin, he told this story, and he said there was a pastor who had come to, to visit him, and, but the pastor had been having some, some pretty bad illnesses in his life, and he had been, I think he had, I can't remember if it was um, something with his breathing or some kind of trouble that he had, and it was always influencing him. And the, Kenneth Hagin said, look, while you're with me, you're not going to have any trouble with this. This isn't going to bother you one bit. You're not going to need any medicine. You won't need anything. That's, that's kind of a bold statement, isn't it? He said, as long as you're around me, my anointing is going to cover you. Wait, what? You know, some people think that's, you talk like that. It sounds arrogant. No, it's not arrogant. He just knew who he was. And he knew, he knew what was in him. He knew the treasure in him. He said, I'll take care of it. He said, but when you get home, you're going to need to take care of it yourself. And he said the pastor was with him for two weeks, never once had a problem because that anointing covered him. Listen, you have something in you, but it's got to come out of you. But it doesn't come out of you just because you smile. It's got to come out of your mouth. It's, it's got to come out of your mouth, I said. You got to, you got to, when you, ah, come on. I, I, I got more to say. I don't want to get tied up here. But if you're going to function in your anointing, you got to make some bold statements. Amen. Be healed in the name of Jesus. You know, we talk about this. You can't just pray for somebody and be like, hey, I hope that God makes you feel better. That's not, that's not, is that how Jesus would pray? You be healed in the name of Jesus. Uh, I need some, I need some financial help. I need some resources. Come in the name of Jesus. Whatever you need, your needs are met in the name of Jesus. Because I have a, you got anointing. It's not arrogance. It's, it's boldness in who's inside you understanding what he's capable of, not what you're capable of, because you've got this treasure in a jar of clay. You're just a clay jar, and baby, you may not be much to look at, but you've got something special inside you, and when somebody needs something now, your, your anointing should be reaching out and touching them. Amen. Okay, let me move on. Look down at verse 35. Demons. Oh, let me look at verse 
Let me drop down here a little bit. In verse 33, in the synagogue, there was a man with an unclean demon spirit who cried out with a loud voice, leave us alone. What do you want with us, Jesus? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, holy one of God. And Jesus rebukes him. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. He says, be quiet, come out of him. And then look at verse 36. Amazement came on all of them, and they kept saying to one another, what is this message? For he commands unclean spirits with authority and power, and they come out of him. Listen. Jesus could function like that because he said, I have an anointing to proclaim freedom to the captives. So he used his anointing to proclaim freedom to that man who was demon possessed. You've got to use your anointing to speak what the word of God says over people's life. He commanded, he gave a command. When he gave a command, it was not open for debate, was it? You ever watch that old TV show, Gomer Pyle? When, when the Sarge would come in and tell him something, Gomer had better do it, or else Gomer's going to be peeling potatoes. you got to do what the Sarge says. When Jesus gave a command, see, he knew who he was. He knew how he could speak and what he could say to those demons, and he used his authority, the Word of God says. He used his power and authority, his dunamis power and his delegated authority to command the thing, the unclean spirit, to come out of him. Are you still with me? Yeah. Sometimes you got to start, you got to start talking to some things now. You got to start talking. I'm, I'm going to teach on the law of confession, just speaking what the word of God says over your life, over your situation. I want you to look at this real quick in 1 Samuel 17. And you know this story, David and Goliath, yeah? 1 Samuel 17. But I want you to look at this passage here because David comes out to fight this, this Philistine, this giant. He comes out against him and the Philistine gets upset. In fact, in verse 42, it says the Philistine looked at him and he despised him. He despised him because he was just a youth. And he says, am I a dog that you come against me with sticks? And he curses David by his gods. Come here, says the Philistine. I'll give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts. Now, I want you to look at what David says to him, but understand something. David wasn't speaking on his own. David wasn't operating on his own. David, in an earlier chapter, had been anointed by Samuel as the king. He was functioning in an, in anointing even as a boy, even though there was another king. He was functioning in an anointing that he had as a king. And so when he came, in fact, you can see it before when he starts talking to Saul about how he's been watching his sheep. And he says, when a, when a lion or a bear would come after him, I would just kill him. And he, he didn't have a shotgun back then. He didn't have a rifle. He says, I would grab the lion by the beard and strike it in the, in the face and kill it. And he says, what? It's a serious kid there. Well, he's got an anointing on his life to be a king. And he's using, he's functioning in the anointing even while he's watching sheep. And so look at what he says to the, to the giant. In verse 45, he says, You come against me with a dagger and a spear and a sword, but I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel's armies. You've defied him. Today the Lord will hand you over to me. Now listen, listen to his words. This is a boy talking to a full-grown giant about what he's about to do to him. But he's not, just, he's not just talking smack. He's not just trash talking somebody. A little bit he is. But he's declaring by faith what he's going to do. 
He's declaring by faith what he's about to do to this giant. He says, I'm going to hand you, uh, God will hand you over to me. I'm going to strike you down. I'm going to cut off your head and give the corpses of the Philistine camps to the, to the birds of the sky and the creatures of the earth. Then all the world will know that Israel has a God. What did David do? Exactly what he said. I'm going to strike you down. I'm going to cut off your head and you're, you, this army that's behind you, I'm going to give all them to the birds of the sky and the creatures. Of the, that's exactly what he does. What is he doing? He's operating in the anointing that he has. Sometimes you got to smack talk the devil. He starts coming against you. No, you don't devil. No, you don't. You can't have my family. No, you don't. You can't have my health. I know what the doctor might've said, but now it's time to smack talk. Okay, cancer, you got to bow your knee in the name of Jesus. Disease, you got to bow your, whatever it is that you might be facing. Hey, you're in big trouble. You came after the wrong person because the God I serve is going to tear you down and you're going to be sorry you ever mess with me, sucker. You know what I'm talking about this morning? I'm talking about you have to learn how. See, listen, you don't need the anointing to sit on the couch. You need the anointing to live. God intended you to function with this Holy Spirit working through you. Look, look back at Luke chapter 4, and I'm, we're getting there. You still with me? Okay. If not, go back. Oh, it's supposed to say you should get the app, and then you can go back and listen to the thing. Okay, Luke 4, verse 38 Jesus, after he left the synagogue, he went to Simon's house. That's Simon Peter, one of his, um, about to be his disciple. He went to see him, and his mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever. And they asked him about her. So, so he stood over her, it says, and he rebuked the fever. And it left her. Immediately she got up and began to serve them. Well, I want you to hear this for a second, because I, I looked up some of these words, and I was fascinated. This word, rebuke. Here's what this word means. This is a, he passed a judicial sentence is what that word actually means. It's a, it's a law term. It's a, it's a legal term. Jesus passed a judicial sentence on that fever. What does that mean? How could he, what is it talking about? Because it's illegal. Fever is illegal in heaven. Sickness is illegal in heaven. Sometimes you've got to call the things that are illegal, illegal. If it's illegal, it cannot stay. It has no legal hold over you. This fever is illegal. Go in the name of Jesus. So you got to start passing some sentences because you're not part of this world. You're part of the kingdom of heaven. And so you got to start acting like the kingdom of heaven. Sometimes we give permission for things to happen to us. You know, well, it's, I guess it's just flu season. One of us is going to get sick. No, shut up. If you don't, you know, you need to keep your mouth closed sometimes. Get some control over that tongue. No, what are you doing? You're inviting sickness. Come on, sickness. Yeah, I guess one of us is going to get the foot. No, no, no. The word of God says no plague shall come nigh my dwelling place. Don't give the thing an open door. Well, I guess I'm just catching a cold. What do you want to catch a cold for? You know, if they hit a baseball to you, you, you try to catch it. If a cold's coming at you, you don't try to catch it. You try to avoid it. 
You don't need to catch a cold. Don't give it permission to come on you. No, no, no. I'm healed by the blood of Jesus. It's illegal. Illegal activity. You're going to let illegal activity happen in your house? You're going to invite drug dealers into your house to, to do illegal activity? Then don't allow illegal things that aren't allowed in heaven into your home. But you can see Jesus functioning in his anointing throughout the word of God. He calms the storm with a word. He speaks a word. See, it came out of his mouth. He stood up and told, told the storm, it's illegal. This is illegal. Stop. He called Lazarus out of the grave with a word. He told a paralytic, take up your mat and walk. See, it's coming. You're catching this. It's coming out of his mouth. What comes out of your mouth is important. It matters what comes out of your mouth. Speak the word of God. He told a fig tree to die. Think about that for a minute. Just told a tree, die. And it died. No, he said, maybe no one ever eat fruit from you again. It came out of his mouth. He's functioning. You know what? Everything he said happened. He didn't say anything that didn't happen because what he said was intentional. And it was moving with the things of God. Give, he, gave, he gave thanks and he started multiplying. Lord, thank you that I have this bread and some fish and it's more than enough. Boom. It's more than, yeah, guess what? It's more than enough. He gave thanks for it. See, I want you to catch something this morning. You're full of treasure. You're full of treasure this morning. You got treasure inside you and it's in a clay jar. And people may look at it and think it's not much. You got treasure in you. You got more than enough. You start speaking the word of God over your situation. I'm going to, I'm going to close with this. Look at Judges chapter six. I don't think I gave you that one up there. Judges chapter six. And this is a story of Gideon. And Gideon and his men, is 300 men taking on an entire army, a massive army. And God told them, originally they had more men, and God said, no, send those away. That's too many men. I'm going to deliver with a few men. And they wound up with 300 men, and they stood there around the camp of that army. And Gideon, and he gave, Gideon gave each one of them something, gave each one a sword, and he gave each one a jar. He just had, a, just had a plain jar. It was nothing. It was nothing special to look at, just a plain jar. But he said, when I give the signal... And I blow the horn, I want you to break the jars and shout. And they broke their jars, and when they broke their jars, the light came out. There was torches hidden inside each one of the jars, but they didn't want the enemy to see until it was time to reveal the light. Listen, you've got light inside of you. You've got light inside of you, and it's time to let it out. Why don't you stand up with me? You've got light inside you, just like Gideon's army, and it's time to let the enemy see your light. It's time to start walking in the anointing. This hasn't been a word that I want you to go away and say, oh, wow, that was, that was good. No, whatever. I want you to take it, and I want you to use it. I want you to do something with it, because the Word of God says, don't just be a hearer only, be a doer of the Word. Do the Word. So what's the Word to you today? Speak the Word of God. Speak the word of God. Let the word of God come out of your mouth. Declare the word of God over your family. Declare the word of God over your situation, whatever you're facing today, over your health, over whatever. Declare the word of God. Speak the word of God. Flow, function in the anointing because you have the same anointing that Jesus had. And I don't say that lightly. You have the same anointing he had because you have the same Holy Spirit in you. And Jesus said, you're supposed to do the same works that I do. So he couldn't tell you to do that if he didn't give you the same anointing.
You have the same anointing he had, so let it come out of your mouth. You're anointed to speak good news to people. You're not anointed to speak bad news to anybody. You're anointed to preach the gospel. Speak the good news about the kingdom of God. Yeah, you might be sick today. Let me tell you, but I want you to know the good news is that Jesus came so that you can be set free. Hey, you might be in bondage today to depression, to fear, to drugs, to whatever, but I want you to know the good news, Jesus has come to set you free. That's your anointing today. You function in that anointing. You speak the word of God. You have an anointing to set people free, not just to tell them, hey, maybe you can go go to this program and, and do some 10 steps and you'll get free. No, you have an anointing to set people free today. Hey, you've got, you've got an addiction in your life. Let me tell you, I have an anointing in me because Jesus is in me, his Holy Spirit's in me, and he wants to come out of me and, and he wants to set you free today. And he can do that. You can be free in a moment. You don't have to wait 10 years. In fact, some, some of these places tell you you'll always be an addict. No, you won't, because you can be set free in a moment. You can be set free in a moment, amen, because you, listen, people with, with demons, they don't, have to, they don't have to wait 10 years to get the demon out of them. It goes in a moment when you start speaking with anointing. You have an anointing on your life, just like Jesus had, so now do something with it. I want you to bow your heads with me. Just lift up your hands. Maybe there's something you need this morning. I want you, we've already prayed for each other, but I want you this morning just to declare in the name of Jesus, start using your anointing over your own situation first, so that way that's taken care of. Now when you go out of here, you can start, you start speaking it to other people. Maybe you'll go on the evangelism team today and you'll start knocking on some doors and setting some people free. And that's, that's the way it's supposed to be. You're supposed to be changing your city, changing this world by being the little anointed ones. So Lord, this morning, whatever it is that we might, some of us might be facing in this room, we declare the word of God today over that thing. Lord, we thank you that we have been set free. Lord, we thank you that we have an anointing. Lord, we thank you that we have victory today. We thank you that all of our needs are met. We thank you we have healing today. Lord, we thank you for what you've done, what you've provided for us, what you've given us. Lord, we thank you just for your anointing and your blessing and your provision for each person in this room today. In the name of Jesus, say amen if you receive that. Amen. Let's sing this together. I am blessed, I am called, I am healed, I am whole, I am saved in Jesus' name. I am blessed, I am cold, I am 
somebody's looking for today. You've got the answer. You've got the treasure that people are looking for today. I want you to leave this place and use what God's given you. Lift your hands one more time, Lord. Just thank you for your word to us today. Thank you for what you've done for us, who you've made us to be, and thank you for the Holy Spirit that lives in us. Lord, I pray that we would just sit back and, and be idle, but Lord, that we would use what you've given us and the Holy Spirit that you put inside of us would just shine through us in the name of Jesus. Somebody say amen. God bless you this morning. You. Yeah. 